Shabbos daf mem tes. Good chaydish, and I hope we all hear Psurus Tavis this month. We had to listen to the Mishnah of different products that it's usher to do atmana with. If they are moist. Now there's two types of moistness. There's moisture that comes from an external moisture, and there's moisture that comes from within. The one that comes from within produces more heat. And the Gemara tells us, since one of the things on the list is moichen, moichen is soft material, obviously it doesn't produce its own moisture, so the entire list has moisture that comes from an exterior source. There's a b'risa that says that you shouldn't use clothing, garments, for atmana. And garments, obviously, the moisture comes from an exterior source. The Gemara says that's not a raya, but it's possible that they produce this garment from an area of the animal such as the thighs, that produced its own moisture. New Mishnah, the Mishnah says, you could do atmana with clothing, with fruit, with kanfeyayna, a pigeon's wing, which is going to lead us into a beautiful story of Elisha Bal Knafayim, and with sawdust and fine flags. Rebuda says that pishton is osur when it's thin. It's similar to manure, which is moist of hevel, it produces additional heat. But when it's a thick material, thick pishton, then it's a mutter to do hatmana with. The Gemara tells us tefillin require gufnaki, clean body. Like Elisha Balknafayim, Stasis points out, since he had this nace that's upcoming, obviously he had a gufnaki. What does it mean to have a gufnaki? Abayi says you have to be careful from hafacha, from passing wind. Rava says, Careful from sleeping, because that could lead to hafacha and kalita carry. The story is that the Romans said, whoever wears tefillin, they're going to puncture the person's brain. Elisha Balknafayim didn't carry, walked out with his tefillin, and when he saw a Roman officer, he removed his tefillin, put them in his hand, and the officer said, what, what's in your hand? He said, I have the wings of a pigeon. He said, let me see. He opened up his hand, and sure enough, there were pigeon wings. He had a nace. The mother says, but why did he say pigeon wings? So the Gemara, just like a pigeon, its wings protect it from the elements and from its enemies, where other birds don't fight with their wings. A pigeon fights with his wings, so too Klai Yisrael are protected by the mitzvahs they perform. Says the Mishnah, you could perform atmana with hides, the skins of animals. And hides are not mukta. You could do atmana with wool shearings, but they are mukta. So if they are mukta, how do you get to your food? It's covered with the wool shearings. What you do is, you grab the handle of the lid, and you pull it up, and the shearings fall off by themselves. That's tiltal kilachar yad. It's with shinui. Rebbe ben says, once you have the lid off, you should not remove the pot, because then the shearings will fall in to the spot that the pot was, and you wouldn't be able to put the pot back in. What you do is, with the pot in your box, you tilt the entire box as is, and that's how you pour whatever is in the pot into your bowl. Rabbi Yadisim ben Elazar says that our mission is talking about specifically hides that are owned by a common person, not a hide dealer, not someone that does business with hides. Because if it's somebody that does business with the hides, a uman, that would be mukta. They're designated for schaira, for selling. Tanakama says that hides that are tanned, they're the finished product, they're usr. But according to everybody, the only types of hides that are makabal tumah are hides that are tanned and finished. And Tysus points out, 
that they are finished hides, you don't need to think about designating them, they become designated automatically. If a carpenter has wood, they're mukta. Because he's makbid, he doesn't want people to ruin them, so they're mukta. I apologize for the noise. But a common person who has wood, the wood is not mukta. Even a carpenter, once he places food on it, he says, let's use it for something, then those pieces of wood are no longer mukta. These Amaraim that we, we discussed before, they also had a discussion, why is there 39 malachas? One man said, because there are 39 different malachas in building the Mishka. And the other man says, Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Yaisi Ben Lekunya says, because the Torah mentions the word melacha, melachtoi, and melechas 39 times. Now it's not going to help to go count the different times, because if you count, you'll come up with more. The Gemara says, for instance, and the Gemara remains in a teku, the Pasuk Vayavoy Habaisa, referring to Yosef HaTzadik, he came home, lasis melachtoi. Melachtoi can mean work, a melacha, but could also be referring to the Avera with Eshes Petifar. Is that counted as one? What about the Pasuk Vamelacha Haisa Dayom? Klai Yisrael did enough work. Well, over here it could be the word Melacha could refer to task, job, not a Melacha of doing. Therefore, the Gemara says it could be either one of these two Psukim to add up to 39, and not both of them because then you'll have 40. There's a Braisa that seems to be saying, like the Manda Omer, that says that the 39 Melachas are Keneged the Mishka correspond to the Mishkan. And that is, in the Mishkan, they would plant and they would reap. Why? They needed to have some amanim, they needed dye for the different fabrics that they made and produced. Interesting, Rashi says they needed it for the Tcheles, although Tcheles is a snail, but they needed other chemicals to add to that dye. And you learn the concept of Yitzah, going from Rishul Sarabim to Rishul Sayachid from the ground to the wagon, from Yerushasayacha to Yerushasayacha, from the wagon to the ground, and from wagon to wagon teaches us Yerushasayacha to Yerushasayacha because there was a strip of Yerushasayacha in between. Have a wonderful day.